0: Log Talk Radio. I want you to remember that regardless of your age or your position or your station in life, that God has a plan and a purpose for you. So this evening we're going to be sharing four things that are going to help you for the new year. And they are encouragement, motivation, battling the ites, and the three Ps. And so if you would like to have one of your friends listen in this evening, Please have them call in and dial 626-696-8607 to listen in. And that phone number again is 626-696-8607. So this evening, before we get started, I needed to share with you kind of an update on Pastor Leah and a special prayer request for us. And it's really with great sadness that we share the passing of our dear sister and my wife pastor leah fouts leah beth fouts age 68 passed away suddenly last wednesday on january the 19th 2022 here in columbus texas she was preceded in death by her only child victoria carol fouts at age 18 in 2004. for those of you who didn't know Leah was a co-founder of Hazak Ministries here in Texas, and she served as the prayer coordinator here since 2011. She was an ordained minister on March the 14th in 2009 by the Charles and Francis Hunter Ministries here in Houston. She was a Christian author who, along with her husband, Reverend Brian Fouts, co-wrote three books, From Misery to Ministry, A Walk of Faith, Steps of Faith. And walking through grief, a journey of peace. Leah was a gift. Was a gifted musician. She played guitar and she sang alto harmony on many, many albums. She can be found singing harmony on some of Gary R. Smith's albums, who is a country Christian singer. Also on the Moonlighters, along with the Daystar Project Band and the Ecclesia Band. A celebration of life service. Uh, is gonna be planned for a later date in the future. So if you'd like to make a donation to help with the expenses for the family and the ministry, you can please send your check to Brian Fouts at 1410 Rampart Street here in Columbus, Texas. That address again is 1410 Rampart Street, Columbus, Texas, 78934. Uh, should you wish to make a tax-deductible donation to, their, to our ministry, You can still send a check payable to Hazak Ministries at the same address at 1410 Rampart Street, Columbus, Texas, 78934. Or you can go online to our website at www.hazakministries.com and just click on the donate button there. And so I just ask you to please be in prayer for me and for our ministry as we continue the journey of bringing a message of hope healing and encouragement to those who are lost and to those who are hurting. Again, we just want to thank you for your prayers and for your support and for tuning in to tonight's program. So with that, greetings from the scenic Columbus, Texas, where the town is located out here on the beautiful Colorado River. And for those of you who don't know, Columbus is the oldest surveyed and platted Anglo-American town here in Texas and it is on the site of the legendary Indian village of Montezuma. And historians out here say that members of Stephen F. Austin's original Old 300 began arriving here in the area way back in 1821. So with that, good evening, sister and evangelist Montel Fields, and I am Brian Fouts. And this evening, I'm honored and excited to be back here on Reaching Out Radio where we are reaching out to be the hands and the feet of Jesus Christ. And for those of you in the listening area, I am with Hazak Ministries. And our ministry, again, was started with the vision to bring a message of hope, healing, and encouragement to those who are hurting, lost, or hopeless. Now, for those of you who don't know, the word Hazak is a Hebrew word, and it means to make or to be strong, to strengthen, and to sustain or to support and to be, and to encourage. And with that, you, our listeners, will be encouraged with our message this evening. And if you've missed some of our previous programs, you can always go to Reaching Out Radio at www.blogtalkradio and just type in Brian and Leah Fouts, and there you can find all of our previous shows and listen to them free on demand. So before we start, let me open up the program with a word of prayer. Father, we just come before you tonight. We ask for protection for Montel and for reaching out radio. And Father, and we pray against any technical difficulties and against any demonic powers that are in the airwaves. And Father, we'd also like to pray for those in the listening audience. And we pray for open hearts, changed lives this evening in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. So, we've got a really great show in store for you tonight, and this evening, we're going to share four things, again, that are going to help you with the new year, and they are encouragement, motivation, battling the ites, and the three Ps. So, with that, let's get started. You know, I just love living out here in the country, especially near the Colorado River, and it's really beautiful out here. And I just love the people who live out here in the area. And it is very, very peaceful. Plus, there are lots of little country roads out here to travel on. And it's always fun to see where some of these roads go and what is in store just for us right around the corner. And you know, as I look around, God has done an amazing work with the landscape of this earth. So, before I get started in going down this rabbit trail let me just get started on the program this evening so today we're going to be talking about the word encouragement so if you would please grab a pen or a pencil and some paper and get ready to learn some really great tips for your walk in life or maybe if you have one go to your computer or go to your ipad or your iphone and be prepared for some really great ideas to help you and your future so, if you would, please open your Bibles to First Thessalonians five eleven. Again, that's First Thessalonians chapter five verse eleven. Uh, just another thing, just that's First Thessalonians chapter five verse eleven. So, this evening we're going to be talking about encouragement and what it means to encourage one another. Now, this passage really hits the nail on the head. Again, we are in 1 Thessalonians 5.11. And here the Apostle Paul was divinely inspired when he wrote, Therefore, encourage, admonish, exhort one another, and edify and strengthen and build up one another, just as you are doing. You know, I thought this scripture verse would really help us to get started on our topic for this evening. Now, most of us have heard some of these passages before, and so one of the things that I wanted to do was to say, hey, what was Paul really talking about tonight? So, we've all heard that word encouragement, but what does it really mean, and why is it even important for us to know anything about this word or even to use it? Now, this evening I found some really interesting answers in the dictionary. So, first of all, in the online dictionary that it defines that word encourage like this it means to give support it means confidence and it also means hope to someone and you know i really like that part that says to give someone hope that's really important now while doing some of my research i found some really neat words that almost have the same meaning some examples are to cheer up someone, that's pretty good, that means to uplift someone, and it also means to motivate someone, and of course, my personal favorite is to motivate someone, I love doing that, and so here's a couple of more words that go along with this, it means to stimulate, to vitalize, to that means to vitalize, I'm sorry, that means to embolden, and this one I really liked. To rally, you know, to rally. Isn't that really kind of cool to rally someone? And well, here's something really interesting. You know, I love looking up words and comparing them to Hebrew or Greek words. Now, that word encouragement in Hebrew is the word hazak, and it means strength or to strengthen. It means to prevail, it means strong, to become strong, to be courageous to be firm or to grow firm and to be resolute. And I just love that word hazak because it stands for strength and for encouragement. And this was the word that the Lord gave us for the name of our ministry. He did that so that we could bring encouragement to others and to help them to become strong in the Lord. So let's talk about that word encouragement. Why is it important to give encouragement? And why do we need to encourage others? Now, here's something to think about. I have found that our lives can get very, very busy. I don't know about you, but I know that mine does. And with that busyness, we can get caught up in work, having a family, raising children, planning for our future. We have kids and the kids' future and then vacations, et cetera, just to name a few, and just the day-to-day activities can bring some really heavy stress into our lives, and it can really get us down. Now, I can really relate to those. I'm sure you can, too, and I remember working about 70-plus hours a week when I was in the retail auto supply business. To tell you the truth, it was grueling, and it was hard on me, and it was hard on my family, and Lots of times, my wife never knew when I would be home. And yes, so she would just stick my dinner in in the microwave and say, here, you can heat it up when you get home. So it can be with other things in life and we can really get worn down. And so in those days, we suddenly feel like we are all alone and that there's really no one there to help us. And it is at those times that we really need encouragement. And if we don't have it, then our life can become overwhelming, almost to the point of feeling helpless. We then become overwhelmed by the physical and the mental and the spiritual challenges of life. And, you know, it's in those days that you wake up and feel like, I have no life! Yikes! And, you know, I'm reminded in the book of Psalms in chapter 59 where David cried out to God and he said, Oh, Lord, deliver me from my enemies. Oh, my God, set me securely on high away from those who rise up against me. Deliver me from those who do iniquity. Doesn't that sound familiar? And if you think about it, that verse probably really hits home for a lot of people. You know, and to help us get past those feelings of being alone and overwhelmed, David encourages with his prayers to God in Psalms 57, verses 1 and 2. And he says, have mercy on me, my God, have mercy on me, for in you I take refuge. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. And I cry out to God most high, to God who vindicates me. And yet, here's something really interesting that people don't know or may not have heard, but maybe they have forgotten about it. In Ephesians 6.12, we were told this, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the powers and against the world forces of this darkness and against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. And, you know, we have to remember that the trials that come our way are not just of the flesh or between humans. That this sometimes is a spiritual battle. And we have to learn to be strong. And so there's that word again, strong. And again, in Hebrew, that same word is hazak. And it means both encouragement and strength. So, listeners... To help us through these battles, that word strong comes up again and again in Ephesians 6.10 through 11. And I'm going to read this from the Amplified Bible this evening. It says, In conclusion, be strong in the Lord. Be empowered through your union with him. Draw your strength from him, that strength which his boundless might provides. And put on God's whole armor the armor of a heavy armed soldier which God supplies, that you may be able to successfully stand up against all of the strategies and the deceits of the devil. Isn't that powerful? And think about this. If we look around, do you ever see some people who are just really discouraged? I mean, they may not even, they just want to give up. And they feel like things are just too impossible to get past. When you see that, then what can we say to those people who are hurting? that are afraid and feel that there is no way for anything to happen. There's just way too much on their plate to handle. And they just want to give up. Well, over in 1 Corinthians 1.9, the Apostle Paul tells us, God is faithful who has called you into the fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now I know that some people may not understand that scripture verse, and maybe they don't even have a relationship with God, and maybe they don't read a Bible, or perhaps they don't even have one. Then how does this scripture verse help them? Well, let me read that same passage from the Message Bible, verses 7 through 9. Just think, you don't need a thing, you've got it all. All God's gifts are right in front of you as you wait expectantly for our Master Jesus to arrive on the scene for the finale. And not only that, but God himself is right alongside to keep you steady and on track until things are all wrapped up by Jesus. And God, who got you started in this spiritual adventure, shares with us the life of his son and our Jesus. He will never give up on you and never forget that. Wow. Now, what are some of the ways, then, that we can help one another and to encourage one another? All right, so uh, so do we go over and we mow their lawn or do we take out their trash for them or maybe we watch their kids or... Maybe we go to the grocery store for them or we wash their car. Well, guess what? It just might be that little thing that you do that will encourage them, that will lift them up and that will give them hope. But we cannot do this just on our own. We need help. And so where does that help come from? Our help comes from the Lord. And you know, David shares this answer in Psalms 2714 when he said, wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. Now, those are great words of hope, and again, that same word, chazak, or to be strong, seems to keep reappearing. So then, what words can we say to those who may be in leadership or Maybe they're, they own their own company, or maybe they're in a management position that would encourage them during times of turmoil and distress, especially with what we're going through today. Well, we can tell them that God will provide for everything that they need, and that we are reminded of this promise in the book of Deuteronomy. So if we look over in chapter 3, verse 28, it says, And God told another leader named Joshua, The following, but charge Joshua and encourage him and strengthen him, for he shall go across at the head of this people, and he will give them as an inheritance the land which you will see. Now, I don't know about you, but wow, now that is an inspiring word. And that was a word given by God to Moses to encourage Joshua as the new leader of God's people. You know, it was the ultimate you-can-do-this moment. (laughs) And, you know, that is so powerful. So here's a question for you. Do you think that the words that we speak, both good or bad, do you think that they really affect those around us? And, you know, this has to really make you think if you think about it. It is this act of our spoken words that will really make a difference. And you know, I found a verse this week that really spoke to me and deals with our spoken words to others. Over in the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 29, the Apostle Paul wrote this, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those listen wasn't that just awesome so you know that when we speak positive words into the lives of others something really unique happens we are inspiring them we are giving them hope and we are strengthening their desire to do their very best to help them to be firm or resolute and to be confident and to prevail in moving forward. So, our words do bring hope, and they do bring healing and encouragement to those who may be suffering around us. And they can also uplift and edify others to motivate them towards their vision that the Lord has given them. Now, the Apostle Paul had something to say about this. And he gave us another example over in Romans 15, verse 4. He wrote, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement that they provide, that we might have hope. Let me read that again. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures, and the encouragement that they provide, we might have hope. So what more can we then share with those who are listening today about being encouraged and who might need help? Well, remember this. Our words can bring hope and healing and encouragement to those who may be suffering around us. And they can also uplift and edify others and... It can motivate them towards their visions that the Lord has given them. And this is important. So here's a great passage of comfort, and this comes from 2 Corinthians in the first chapter, verse 4. And I'm going to read this from the Amplified Bible. Who comforts or consoles and encourages in every trouble and calamity and affliction, so that we may also be able to comfort and console and encourage those who are any kind of trouble or distress with the comfort and the consolidation and the encouragement with which we ourselves are comforted and consoled and encouraged by God. And, you know, each of us has a gift. Some we find out early in life, and other gifts come later. And, yes, there are still some gifts that you don't even know that you have. So, when we are trying to help others and encourage them, here's another reminder of what we can do. And this is found over in 1 Peter, chapter 4, verses 8 through 10. And I'm going to read this from the NIV Bible. It says, Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. And each of you should use whatever gift that you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. And my hope is that we can all learn to use our gifts and to encourage one another. Remember, in life we all have been given those special gifts and talents to use for the good of all. And some of these gifts may include somebody becoming a doctor or a scientist or a policeman or a fireman, uh, an inventor of some kind, maybe an accountant or a farmer or even a pilot of the air or a pilot of the sea and a business owner and a musician, and, yes, folks, even a lawyer. (laughs) And there is this list from Ephesians 4.11, and he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. So we have talked about being encouraged and learning to encourage others. And as we have shared with you earlier, that word in Hebrew is hazak. It is not only a word that means encouragement, but it also means strength. And it was a command that was given to Joshua by the Lord. Now, if you don't know this, the Lord spoke this to Joshua three different times. The first time was in Joshua chapter 1, verse 6, when he said, Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give to them. And then the second time that the Lord spoke to Joshua was in chapter 1, verse 7, when he said, Only be strong and very courageous. That you may observe to do according to all that the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. And then the third time the Lord commanded Joshua was in verse 9 of the same chapter. When he said, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and have good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Our good friend Dr. Raymond Edge, a pastor up in Bastrop, shared this neat comparison with us one morning when he said, The Lord gave Joshua this command and told him three times to be strong and encouraged. He said the first time that the Lord told him to be strong, and the second time to be very strong, and the third time to be very, very strong. And here is something really neat. That number three is used 467 times in the Bible, and it pictures completeness. And this is pretty cool. There were also three righteous patriarchs before the flood. There was Abel, Enoch, and Noah. And then after the flood, there were three righteous fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, later renamed to Israel. Now, I don't know about you, that was pretty cool. So tonight, we have shared some exciting promises of God and words that would encourage us in our daily walk. And so here, again, is another promise for our listeners, and this is from First Thessalonians 5.11 from the Amplified. And we shared this earlier. So therefore, encourage, admonish, exhort one another, and edify and strengthen and build up one another just as you were doing. The you in this verse is God's promise to us. You know, as the late Miles, Dr. Miles once said, he said, purpose is when you know and understand what you were born to accomplish. Vision is when you see it in your mind and you begin to imagine it. So, our hope is that you've been blessed and encouraged this evening by this particular message. So that when you know what your purpose is, you will be open, willing, and obedient to be used by God, and that you will, you will use this purpose to encourage others. So, be encouraged and be huzzah. Well, listen, we're going to move on to our next part of our Bible study this evening, and let me ask you some questions. What inspires you, and what gets you going? You know, I have asked ask myself that same questions at one time or another in my life, and here is what came to my mind. Motivation, yes, motivation. So, what does this word motivation mean? Well, like others, I had to go look up that word on the online dictionary, and it defines the word as this following, something that motivates or an inducement or an incentive to the desire to do or interest or drive. It also shared this. It said, internal and external factors that stimulates desire and energy in people to be continually interested and committed to a job, to a role or subject, or to make an effort to attain a goal. Now, I know that sounded pretty heavy, but that's pretty neat. And, you know, interestingly, there really is no Hebrew word for that word motivation. But the only word that comes even close to this word is the word inspiration. And in Hebrew, that word is neshama, and it means to breathe like the spirit of God or the breath of man or every breathing thing or the spirit of man. And now over in the book of Job in 32, verse 8, in the King James Version, it says, But there is a spirit in man, and the inspiration of the Almighty giveth them understanding. Now, that was pretty cool. Now, that same word inspiration in the Greek language is the word theonoustos, and it means inspired by God and the contents of Scripture. And this is cool. Over in 2 Timothy 3.16, in the King James Version, it says that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. That's pretty neat. So if you really think about it, all things come from God, and He will give to us the motivation or the inspiration to do what He has called us to do. Now, I don't know about you, but that is just awesome. And you know, I love the way that the psalmist wrote on being inspired by God. And this is from Psalms uh, chapter one, verse two, from the, Amplified, from the Amplified. And in there, the psalmist said. But his delight and desire are in the law of the Lord, and on his law, the precepts, the instructions, the teachings of God, he habitually meditates, ponders, and studies by day and by night. Now, you know the idea of motivation is something that will drive you, and it will drive you in your passion, and to accomplish what you have been called to do. With this, it's to help you to maximize your efforts to stretch yourself to your full potential and to accomplish your vision that God has given you. And I just, again, one of my favorite mentors was Dr. Miles Monroe, and he put it this way. He said, one key to maximizing your potential is to become dissatisfied with the circumstances that restrict, that limit, and stifle your potential. Wow. One key to maximizing your potential is to become dissatisfied with the circumstances that restrict and limit and stifle your potential. So let's talk about ways to get motivated and to stay motivated. First, I think that it is important that we begin each day with the one person who can really get us motivated. We need to start our day with the Lord. All right, so now you might say, okay, okay, Brian, so how do we do that? Well, we should begin our day first by coming before him in prayer. And I love the way that Jesus told us on how to pray. And this is from Matthew 6, 6 through 8 in the NIV. And even my little kitty cat wants to get in on the conversation. You might hear Grace in the background. So he says, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need, even before you ask Him. That's pretty neat. So if you think about it, we need to come before Him through the Father first thing each day. And then second, we need to ask Him what we are to do today. And if you don't know, asking, Hey, Lord, why am I here? And if you know what we're here to do, then help us to stay focused on that calling. Now, over in the book of Mark, Jesus again reminds us to ask for anything in prayer. And this is a great verse and one that we use daily in our walk, and this is from Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, know and believe that you've already received it, and it will be yours, or it will be given to you. You know, that is one of my favorite passages, and it it was one of Leah's favorite passages as well. And listeners, it is important to remember that it is a daily battle to stay motivated, to rise up to the occasion and to stay positive and excited each and every day. Why? Because the enemy is always crawling around in our mind and in our walk and our path. He's out there trying to distract us and to take our eyes off the goal or the vision and, most importantly, off of God's purpose for our lives. And so we have to learn to resist the enemy. And how do we do, do that? Well, over in 1 Peter 5.8, we're reminded that we are given instructions on how to fight the enemy. It says, be alert and a sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Isn't that the truth? And sometimes it seems like the devil is just everywhere. What was the old comedian that used to say, he's everywhere, he's everywhere, he's everywhere. So we have to remember that. And he is always sticking his nose in our business. Or someone once said, he's there stirring the pot and he's getting us and everyone else around us all worked up, and sometimes he gets us stirred up over nothing. And so remember, the enemy is very sneaky, and he can even look like a good guy at times. And this is a great passage in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, and I'm going to read this from the ESV version. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So, you know, sometimes people will ask me, well, that's easy for you to say, but, you know, my situation's different. Well, listeners, you just heard that, so my question to you is, how can we answer somebody like that? Again, we always need to go back to Scripture. And over in James, chapter 4, verse 7, and I'm going to read this from the King James. James gives us a really great answer to that question. He says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That's right. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now, I know that over the years, when men have called me and asking for help or advice, I'd always hear them say, But, Brian, you see, my problem is different because, and my beautiful bride, Leah, would always say, Brian, what is it that you always tell them? (laughs) I tell them to repeat after me. There are no problems with life, only challenges. And I have them repeat that three times out loud. And when they do, they will never forget it. Yeah, you're probably wondering why I do this. Well, because I remind them that a problem is a negative word and a phrase. And when they use the word, it makes them feel like it's a chore and one that they just don't want to do. And then they convince themselves that it's just really painful and it's just too hard to do. And then it will zap all of their energy just worrying about it. But if they look at this obstacle that has come up as a challenge, then they will begin to think of positive ways to overcome this challenge and they will learn to get past this deter and move on. But, you know, there still are some people that just won't get it. They still tend to dwell on what it was before them. They can't seem to get past this one issue. So what words of wisdom can we give for them? I still come back to James 4, 7. But I want to read this to you from the Message Bible this time, and this passage actually covers uh, verses 7 through 10. And my hope is that this passage will inspire you and motivate you to do your best. So here goes. It says, so let God work his will in you. Yell aloud no to the devil and watch him scamper. Say a quiet yes to God and he will be there in no time. Quit babbling in sin. Purify your inner life. Quit playing the field. Hit bottom and cry your eyes out. The fun and games are over. Get serious. That's right. Get serious. Get really, really serious. And that's really important to do that. Get down on your knees before the master because it's the only way that you'll get on your feet. That's right. Get down on your knees before the master because it's the only way that you'll get on your feet. Now, isn't that great? And you know, that should even inspire you. So, what other things can we share that would help others to get motivated or to stay motivated? Well, we need to get plenty of rest. Rest and sleep are important factors in helping our body and our mind to stay in shape. And sleep is important. If you become tired, this will lead to fatigue which in time will keep us from making good decisions, and, yep, it'll zap our energy, and it'll keep us from getting things done. And so we've got to remember that. And of course, we need to be aware of our diet, not so much of how much we eat, but what we eat, and you know, when we eat it. We need to learn about our body and what it needs to function. And not so much of what we want or what we crave, but our body will usually tell us what it it is lacking. And the proper foods that we eat will really help us with our motivation. I have sometimes had people ask me, well, Brian, what book is the best for motivation, besides the Bible, I mean? Well, I tell them that there's several books out there to choose from and you need to look at the field or occupation that you're currently in and find those people who are at the top of the game plan. But even more important, you need to find those people who are committed to the Lord, and these people will give you the best advice of all. Two of my all-time favorites are Dr. Miles Monroe, author of The Principles of Power and Vision, and the other is Zig Ziglar, author of See You at the Top, and both of these books are excellent, and they are quite easy to read and to understand. You see, because at one time I did not read very much. Most of it was because the books were too thick, too wordy, and I would lose interest rather quickly. But both of these books held my attention page after page after page. Now another question that comes up to me is: I hear people ask, Where can I get some extra help? You know, on the personal level. Well, that question does come up and sometimes this question, do you have a mentor? My answer is that I have several, but here's what you need to do. You need to find a true mentor or mentors and one with a passion. One who loves to help others and to encourage others. And yes, to motivate you to the next level. I have several that I recommend, but especially one, and that one is my Lord. So here's something else that I want to share with people from time to time. Stop what you are doing and just go for a short walk. Walk around your porch or go to the park. Just get out and spend some quiet time with the Lord. Why? Because we need to remember to have that quiet time with him. Why? So that we can learn to hear that still, small voice. And that is his voice. My, my wife, Leah, used to say, motivation is that deep, passionate desire within to do your very, very best. Yes, to do your very, very best. And it is what drives you to fulfill that purpose for which you were made to do And motivation is what makes you jump out of bed in the morning and to get going on your goal or your vision. And that says to you, I can't wait to begin the day on what I love to do and I have fun doing it. For me, I like to help people find their vision and to encourage them and to fulfill that dream. And I know that at other times we may be helping them in finding what they really want to do in life. But most of all, I love to encourage them to do their very best, to look deep within their spirit and to ask God, why am I here? What did you make me to do and how can I help others? And you know, sometimes people will ask me, well, Brian, where do you tell others to go to get this power that you need to stay motivated? And all that I can say is that all that I can do comes from Him who made me. Without Him, I am just nothing. And you know, I like to turn to my Bible for His word for these hard answers in life. And in Philippians 4.13, and this is from the King James Version, it says that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I also want to share that to really make one understand the help that awaits you in the goal of motivation. This is from a passage in Ephesians 3.20, and this is from the King James Version. Now, to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. But, you know, I really like the way that this scripture reads in another translation. And this is from the Message Bible. God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. And he does it not by pushing us around, by working within us, his spirit deeply and gently within us. He's got the power, now that's motivation. So I guess the easiest way to stay motivated, especially for me, is more of him and less of me. So I hope that you've enjoyed this part of the first half of what we've been talking about. Now, what I'd like to do is I'd like to start sharing about three other important things that God provides for us. You know, on our journey through life, there are three things that will happen over and over and over again. And then later, we will share about these battles that we will have to fight while on our journey. Learning to do battle with the ites, I-T-E-S, doing battle with the ites. Yes, you heard me correctly, the battle with the ites. And you're probably wanting to know, what are those? Well, we'll get to that part later. But for now, I just want to focus on the three important things of God. And so what are these three big things of God? Well, there are three provisions that God gives to us. First, he gives us his promise, then he gives us his plan, and then third is his process. And these are all important things that we should learn that will help us in our daily walk. Now, listeners, this is going to be fun. And besides, I like helpful ideas on my walk with him, don't you? All right, so kind of let's get started. First, God promised us a future. A future, you say? How did he promise a future? Well, first, let's take a look on how God provided for his children in the Old Testament. First, God promised his chosen people the land of milk and honey. And he said that he would give them the land and then spelled out the boundaries of their new promised land. We find that promise in Exodus 3.8, and this is from the Amplified Version. It says, And I have come down to deliver them out of the hand and the power of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a land good and large, a land flowing with milk and honey, a land of plenty, to to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now, folks, I looked at an old map this past week, and I looked at the original boundaries of Israel and found that if you put that land next to one in the U.S., Israel is a little bit bigger than the state of New Jersey. Now that's kind of some rather interesting information, but what about a future for us? Did God provide a promise for us? Yes, he did, and God gave us a promise for a future, and we find that promise in Jeremiah twenty-nine, eleven. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, and plans to give you hope in a future. Now this scripture verse is one of my favorite ones, but I have another verse that I like for his promise and this comes from Isaiah 40 verses 29-31 through 31, and this is from the NIV Bible. It says that he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youth grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength and they will soar on wings like eagles and they will run and not grow weary and they will walk and not be faint. I love that promise about renewing of their strength. And the next part is called the plan. You know, God does have a plan for us. Just as we read in Jeremiah, but let's talk about the children of Israel and their plan first. Well, God will tell us when it is time and what we should do next. And let's read what God told his chosen people. But before you do, I want you, our listeners, to remember something. God said that he would give them a plan and they were to follow the plan and not be afraid. That's right, God said to follow his plan and not be afraid. So our next passage comes from Deuteronomy 1, 6, and 7. And the Lord our God spoke to us at Horeb saying, You have stayed long enough at this mountain. Turn and set your journey and go to the hill country of the land to which the Lord swore to give to you and to possess that land to your fathers, to Abraham and Isaac and to Jacob, and to them, and to their descendants after them. Man, what an awesome passage. A well-designed and thought-out plan was given to his chosen people. So now you're wondering, all right, Brian, so what happened next? Well, after this, the Lord told them to take the land. Who were they supposed to take the land from? I mean, who was living in that land anyway? Well, that's another great question. And we find that answer in Deuteronomy 7, verses 1 and 2. And he said, When the Lord your God
1: brings you
0: into the land, you are entering to possess and drive out before you many nations, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and Jebusites, seven nations larger and much stronger than you. And when the Lord your God has delivered them over to you and you have defeated them, then you must destroy them totally, make no treaty with them, and show them no mercy. Yikes! That sounds like a bunch of yikes to me. So then why did God tell them destroy them? Well, that's another great question. And that answer is by totally destroying them, it would make them make it impossible for the Israelites to intermarry and eventually worship other gods, which guess what? They did time after time after time. Now that doesn't that just sound like some of like some of us sometimes? You know, we seem to mess up sometimes too, don't we? And sometimes we just don't listen. We heard what someone said, but we really weren't listening, were we? But Brian, you might ask, why this, why this area? What was so important about this place that they were supposed to take over? And who were these people? Well, that's another great question. You see, all of these people were from descendants of Noah's son, Ham. All right, now you're thinking, okay, so what is it about Ham that we should know about anyway? Another great question. You see, the seven nations that, were, that we've read about were all descendants of Canaan, who was the son of Ham. And in case you don't remember, Ham was the son of Noah. So let's see what Scripture tells us. And over here in Genesis, we're going to read, it says in Genesis 9:18 through 22, and I'm going to read this from the Good News Bible. It's a little bit easier translation. And it says that the sons of Noah who went out of the boat were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham was the father of Canaan. And these three sons of Noah were the ancestors, all of the people of the earth. Noah, who was a farmer, was the first man to plant a vineyard. And after he drank some of the wine he planted, he became drunk. He took off his clothes and he lay naked in his tent. When Ham, the father of Canaan, saw his father, was naked, he went out and told his two brothers. Okay, so now the rest of the story unfolds in Genesis 24, It says that when Noah awoke from his wine, he knew what his youngest son had done to him. So he said, cursed be the seed of Canaan, a servant of servants, and he shall be to his brothers. Also, he said, blessed be the man, the Lord, the God of Shem, and let Canaan be his servants. May God enlarge Japheth, and let him dwell in the tents of Shem, and let Canaan be his servants. All right, so let me put the story to you a little bit more in today's terms. Noah, as they say, he was drinking his wine. Yep, yep, we got that. He was drinking his wine, and so... turns around, and after he drinks, he probably started dancing, got a buzz on, and danced around the room. It got really warm, and then he probably stripped off his clothes, and then he passed out. Ham came into the tent, saw his dad, and said, yo, dad, what's the deal? Then, instead of Ham covering up his dad, he was like a little tattletale kid, and he walked outside, and he went out to his brothers and said, yo, bros. Dad got drunk, he's passed out, and he's naked as a jaybird. (laughs) So hearing this, his two brothers found no humor in this. And I like how the other two brothers responded to the news. But Shem and Japheth took a garment, and they laid it upon both their shoulders and walked backwards and covered the nakedness of their father, and their faces were turned away so that they did not see their father's nakedness. Now, this is a great verse and a reminder of how we should respond to something like this. I'm sure that some of you listening might be wondering, what in the world does this have to do with God's plan for us? Well, we're also reminded that we, during our journey, should learn to lean upon God's divine plan for us. In Psalms 32.8 from the NIV, that we're given this plan. I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go, and I will counsel you, and I will watch over you. And you know, I found a great verse this week on plans from the Father. This is from Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 from the Amplified. And it reads, To lean on, trust in, and be confident in the Lord with all of your heart and mind, and do not rely upon your own insight or understanding. And in all your ways... Recognize and acknowledge Him, and He will direct and make straight and plain your paths. So next we want to talk about the process. And I like to share with people, you know, I'm a type A personality kind of guy, and, you know, I don't care for the process. In fact, it sucks. But I've learned over the years that the process is very important for God's plan. And I think this is where patience was developed. Ha! Or as I tell people, I said, you have to learn to put your arms around you and hug and say, oh, I love change. Oh, I love the process. I love change. Oh, I love the process. Ha! 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 So, you know, God gave his children of Israel clear instructions for taking over the land. He said, Do not be terrified by them, for the Lord your God who is among you is a great and awesome God. And then he told them, the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you little by little, and you will not be allowed to eliminate them all at once, or the wild animals that will multiply around you. So you do it one little chunk at a time. But the Lord your God will deliver them before you, and you will throw them into a great confusion until they are all destroyed. He will deliver their kings into your hands so that you will make their name perish from under the heaven, and no man, no man will be able to stand before you until you've destroyed them. You know, someone once asked me this question, do you think there were any obstacles when they sent the spies into the land? Well, duh, yep, 12 spies went out to check out the land, and 10 out of the 12 of the spies came back, and they said, Stay away! And over in the book of Numbers, chapter 13 through 33, in the good news it reads, And we even saw giants there, and the descendants of Anak, we felt as small as grasshoppers, and that is how we must have looked to them. Yeah, it was pretty bad. But I like to look on the positive side of things. And what about the report of the other two spies? I imagine when the spies returned from the promised land, two of them said, wow, let's take them on. We're a cool place. You know, we can do this, we can do this. But the rest of the spies were just like Dorothy and her little friends from the Wizard of Oz. For the other spies, their response was, oh, my gosh, giants and tigers and bears, am I? Giants and tigers and bears, am my. So there are just four things that became obstacles for the Jews, and these same obstacles have become hurdles for us today. First, doubt and fear overcome people. In Numbers 13, 27 through 28 says, this they told him, and he said, we went out into the land where you sent us, and it certainly does flow with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. But nevertheless, the people who live in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified, and and very, very large. And moreover, we saw these descendants of Anak there. Yes, Dorothy, there are giants in the land. And secondly, people will get excited, and they will suddenly forget the mission. And third, success can lead to a new and different friend. The wrong time can make you compromise your values and begin to erode your moral character. And fourth, a fast pace in life will make you forget to spend time with God in his word and in your prayer time. And these were really neat things to talk about. But I said earlier something about the Battle of the Ikes. Well, so what is that all about? Well, just like the children of Israel, we will have our own bit of ites to do battle with. And so here's my hit list of some of these ites. I hope that you'll enjoy them. First, there's the hit you ites. These are the thugs and the thieves that bully, and they will distract you and keep you off your game plan. And they will always have you on the defensive. And then there's the doubt ites. They say, oh, dude, I doubt if you can do that, and I doubt if you can do this. You know, you're too old, you're uh, too young, you're married, you're divorced, you're single. You don't have enough money. There's no education. Uh, You don't have any talent. There's no gifts. And this is just big, too big for you. And besides, you you, you have no experience. (laughs) And number three on our list is the Confusionites. This is a distraction plan. Maybe if you did this later, you know, then come back to it. You know, it might be either. But, you know, you'll be much older by then, and well, but you'll be smarter by then, and you'll have more money then. And I remember talking to my friend about the same thing, and he or she is successful, and this is what they would say, giving you TMI, that's uh, called too much information to make a wise decision, which can lead you off to another path of their choosing. Ouch, and don't we all know some people just like that? Oh, yeah, I just, L-O-V-E, those people, I just love them. So number four on my hit list is the theorites. I just don't know what to do. I'm I'm all by myself, and there's nobody here to help me, and in fact, nobody likes me. (laughs) Nobody likes me. Nobody's going to help me. And number five on the all-time list is the immoralites. Hey, honey, what you doing? These will be friends and enemies that will tell you that no one understands you like they do. And don't worry, besides, go ahead and do whatever you want. Nobody's looking anyway, and, you know, no one cares. <laughs> and number six are the carnalites. Man, you can have anything that you want. Just go for it. You can make it on your own, and you don't need nobody or anything. You can just do whatever you want. Don't listen to your spouse or your family. Don't listen to your pastor. They don't know nothing at all. And last but all time, my favorite, the parasites. These are the ites that are like a bad set of twins that include the two following types of people. They are time wasters and energy drainers. As we learn to seek out his vision for our lives, and that vision is revelant, we begin with his help to work and map out the goals to bring that vision into reality. And you know, there are lots of great things that will happen in the bringing the vision into reality, but the enemy, the enemy we also bring a number of obstacles to keep you from that vision. The enemy does not want you to succeed with God's vision for your life, and thus the battle begins. And then we need to understand that we are in a fight for our lives and for survival. And so this is what I like to call the Battle of the Ipes. So I hope that you have been blessed and encouraged today by this message, so that you know that when you know what your purpose is, you will be open, willing, and obedient to be used by God, and that you will use this for His purpose and to encourage others. You know, I'm going to take a little break right here, so sit back and enjoy some really nice music. Uh, This is one of my original songs that I wrote. It's pretty cool. Leah loved it. It's called The Traveler, so I hope that you'll enjoy it, and I'll be back in just a few minutes. So, sit back and sit tight and let's see if I can get this thing to come up and play. I think so. Maybe not. Thank you. to call that the traveler so I want to continue on with the last part of the study and this is going to kind of be fun and interesting it's called the three P's that's right the three P's this stands for purpose performance and for passion and here I'm going to share with you how these three P's fit into our study time of God's Word and in our walk and in our future so again grab your pen and your pencil and some paper and get ready for a couple of really great tips for preparing for your future. And again, if you need to, as Leah used to say, get over to your computer or your iPad or iPhone and be prepared for some really great ideas. So you may be asking yourself, well, what is so important about the three Ps? Well, think about this. Do you ever have one of those nights when you are sleeping peacefully? Then suddenly a thought is placed in your mind and you just can't seem to shake it. <laughs> I know. Now some of you are probably able to roll right over and go back to sleep. Leah used to do that. Well some of you, well if you're like me, I usually just can't go back to sleep then. So what do I do? I just lay there and I pray. And then for some of us, It's even harder for us to even try to put it out of our mind and the harder that our brain seems to work on it and we suddenly have to get up and work on it. And for me, boy, when that happens, it's like, oh boy, I hate this, especially when I feel like I can't turn off my brain. And you know, it's just like a puzzle. You feel like you've got to get up and find another couple of more pieces and then you can start putting it together. And then you know, the next thing you know, you're looking at the puzzle and then suddenly you look back at the, the clock and you go, yikes, is it that late?" <laughs> yeah, I've been there, done that, got the t-shirt. But listeners, if you're like me, you do not stop. You just keep on going a little bit longer just to fit a few more pieces of the puzzle together. So there I was, just sleeping peacefully and dreaming, and then suddenly this thought came into my mind about the three P's. Okay, you probably asked yourself, Brian, what are they? Well, I'm sure that there are more things that one could list than what I could share today, but again, the three P's seem to join the three important parts of life's puzzle in everything that we do. So, as I mentioned earlier, they stand for purpose, performance, and passion. So then what does that word purpose actually mean? Well, the online dictionary defines it as, the reason why something is done or used. Or it's the aim or intention of something, and it's that feeling of being determined to do or achieve something. Now, in Hebrew, that word for purpose is shephats, or it's actually pronounced hefei, hayfits, and it means to delight or pleasure. And this is kind of neat. In Ecclesiastes three one it says, To everything there is a season, and a time to every purpose under heaven. Now let's take a look at our next word, performance. It says, this means it's the act of doing a job or an activity or the fulfillment of a claim or a promise or even fulfilling a request. Basically, what it just means is to perform just like a musician. All right, now you might ask, Brian, how so is it like to perform like a musician? Well, as a musician, I can share this with you. Musicians have to prepare ahead of time, which includes practicing and visualizing. That way they can be ready to play or perform when called upon. Now, this should help you to understand about performance. That Greek word for purpose is the word epitelio and it means to bring to an end to accomplish or to perfect or to execute or to complete and here's something to ponder on in life with our vision and mission we are to do our work well and we are to finish that or to complete the task at hand the Apostle Paul wrote a reminder for this in 2nd Corinthians eight, eleven through 12 and I want to read this to you from the NIV he said Now, finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it, according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. Now, isn't that a great passage of Scripture? But, you know, I really like the way that this same verse reads over in the Message Bible. They're a little bit lengthy in their response. So here's what I think. The best thing you can do right now is to finish what you started last year and not let those good intentions grow stale. Your heart's been in the right place all along, and you've got what it takes to finish it. So go to it. Once the commitment is clear, you do what you can, not what you can't. The heart regulates the hands and this isn't so that others can take it easy while you sweat it out. No, you're shoulder to shoulder with them all the way. Your surplus matching their deficit, their surplus matching your deficit, and in the end you come out even as it is written. Nothing left over to one with the most and nothing lacking to the one with the least. Now isn't that a powerful way to put that? And then when I read this, I said, wow, now this really gets me motivated and excited about what I am doing. And our next word is the word passion. This word represents a desire, a strong feeling of enthusiasm or excitement for something about doing something. And this word in the Greek is the word pazho, and it means to be affected or to have been affected or to feel, or have a sensible experience to undergo. In a good sense, to be well off, or in a good case. And in a bad sense, to suffer sadly, but in a bad plight. Now, there is no Hebrew word for the word passage, passion, but here's another word for passion is the word cleave. The Hebrew word for cleave is the word davak, and it means clinging to or adhering to and I found this really interesting item. Cleave is a strange and powerful word which turns up in various places and in various ways throughout the Jewish Bible. A man cleaves to his woman in marriage, and the tongue cleaves to the roof of the mouth, and tired bones cleave to the skin. Hmm. But what is really striking is that in Deuteronomy, early on in the Old Testament, the text repeatedly says again and again cleave to God, And then we find that word in Deuteronomy 4.4, and this is from the King James Bible when it says, But ye that cleave unto the Lord, your God, are alive every one of you this day. Now here are some interesting takes on that same word. And let's take a look how that word is used in different Bible translations. In the NIV, that word is shown is held fast. And in the Amplified, it is held tightly. And in the New Living Translation, it is the word faithful. So if you think of it, passion is a way for us to cleave to God. So back to the word passion. If you want to share another scripture verse with you, that's what I'd like to do. And this is from Acts 1-3, and I'm reading this from the Amplified. To them also he showed himself alive after passion, his suffering in the garden and on the cross. And by a series of many convincing demonstrations, unquestionable evidences and infallible proofs appearing to them during the 40 days and talking to them about the things of the kingdom of God. Isn't that just powerful? But you know, something else that's really kind of important is is this, is that... Uh, we have to remember is that when we crawl out of the bed and we start the day to begin the day with praise, we've got to shout for joy. Yeah, I get another day to fulfill my dream and my vision, and that is passion and that is purpose. And we have to shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth, and worship the Lord with gladness, and we come before him with joyful songs, and that we have to know that the Lord is good. And Why? Because it is he who made us, we are his, and we are his people. The sheep of his pasture enter his gates, and with thanksgiving in his courts and praising, we give thanks to him and praise his name. So what are we supposed to do with these three Ps? I like the way that the Apostle Paul answered this. Whatever you do, do your work heartedly, as for the Lord rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ of whom you serve. So I'd like to close with you with this. As you begin your month, remember your purpose and your performance and your passion for what you were made to do. And with that, I'm Brian Fouts, and I'm with Hazak Ministries and Encouragement Ministry out here in Colorado River here in Columbus, Texas. And just as a reminder, both Lee and I have written three books, Our first book is called From Misery to Ministry, A Walk of Faith Through the Loss of a Loved One. It's a great book that helps bring hope and healing and encouragement to those who've lost a loved one. And it's easy to read and it will make an impact in your life. The book is available through our website and we have a second book called Steps of Faith. And Steps of Faith is an exciting adventure into learning to be led by the Holy Spirit. And the encounters that we put in this book would become the stepping stones for our own steps of faith, learning to trust Him in all things and for all things. And we also have a third book, it's called Walking Through Grief, A Journey of Peace. This is a great book with lots of resources and stories to help you through the grief process and to help you bring healing. And we also wanna bless you with this message of encouragement. And we pray that the books will help you to be open, willing, and obedient to the Lord. And we hope that these divine encounters will assist you in learning to take your very own steps of faith. And again, you can learn more about these books by going to HazakMinistries.com. That's www.HazakMinistries.com. And during this time, if you'd like for me to come out and to speak to your church, to your men's group, or one of your special events, you can always call me on my mobile phone at 832-878-8043. That number again is 832-878-8043. And you can always reach us on our handy-dandy landline at 979-500-4256. That's 979 97- 500